Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. But uh, I have felt very prompted for several, I would probably even say several months, to teach on what I'm going to teach on tonight. And uh, I've been trying to be very sensitive to the Lord because I think it's one thing to feel prompted to teach on something and then another thing to find the right time and the vein for that. This morning I felt like that that time was here and I wanted the Lord to just speak to my heart and to your heart this evening and to whoever and whoever at whatever time may listen to this. I pray that we can have the Spirit of God speak something into our spirit. So I don't want to just preach at you. I want to just teach at you, but I want you to receive the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. So let's just pray and ask God to touch us, and then we'll begin. Lord, I love you, and I thank you so very much for the privilege to be here. I thank you, God, for the wonderful opportunity not just to be in service, but to be in Hatchbend Apostolic Church tonight and to feel the power and the presence of your spirit so sobering, so sweet, so refreshing. Strengthen us and anoint us together. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And you may be seated. I apologize that we still do not have our media up and running. Something apparently went, went awry while we were away, and we'll get that taken care of. And so I'm going to be making some scriptural references tonight, and would ask you to first off join me in the book of Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 28. Leviticus 19 and 28 and uh, we'll be making some other stops along the way and if I don't afford you enough time to get there before I start reading if you just have something and we'll write these scriptures down and perhaps go back to them later. This evening I want to speak about something that seemingly is very very dominating in our culture and um, I pray that the Lord will help us as the church to rise and have a voice, not just a voice of declaration of no, 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 because no, 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 but uh, we want to have some scriptural founding and foundation upon what we're teaching here. I want to talk about um, tattoos and body piercings and things of that nature, and you may not feel that's relevant at all to you, and uh, that may or may not be relevant to you in particular. But I certainly believe that we need to have an answer for others. And uh, so I'm going to take my text from the book of Leviticus. And then we'll begin there and just move along as the Lord will help us. The book of Leviticus 19 and 28. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead nor print any marks upon you, I am the Lord. Now, 
before I really get started here tonight, I want you to understand one thing up front. I'm not here really at all to condemn anyone who has a tattoo or has some part of your body pierced. I'm aware that that is very prevalent in our society and it touches a lot of lives, both young and old. And I can assure you that this message is not an intention to beat somebody over the head, but my objective with the help of the Lord is to inform us what the Bible has to say about these subjects. And um, while probably at the center of what we're talking about, we're going to be talking about tattoos and body markings and things of that nature, but I feel like before we're done that we can have a clear and concise understanding about what the Bible is saying about other issues as well because there, there are some principles that we must grasp. And if we can get the principle, then I believe there's a lot of applications to that. Obviously, tattooing has been around for a long, long time, um, even thousands of years. But if we just kind of bring our focus for the sake of this lesson tonight into um, maybe a, more of a North American mindset because that's actually where we are, not just literally, geographically, but that's where we are even in our mind and culture. In, bygone, in a bygone era, if you saw someone with multiple tattoos, you immediately concluded that either they had spent a significant amount of time in the military or a significant amount of time in the penitentiary. And uh, that's just in a bygone era, mindset, that's just sort of where your mind went. And often those were the end, the end results of decisions that were made and the innocence and sometimes the rebelliousness of youth. However, today we're, we're talking about a completely different mindset because now this is, uh, it seems to be very glamorous and appears almost everywhere. Without a doubt, it, it is the late, latest fashion craze and, and, and I would again say it is taking America by storm. There's no longer, it's not a place no, or an issue no longer reserved for just certain segments of our population but it affects young and old alike. I've, I tried today and, and, and failed to give some, find some recent statistics on professional athletes because uh, that's where we see a lot of this in our culture, not, not limited, of course, to that. I didn't, wasn't able to find any statistics on this in general, but I was alarmed to find that, that just speaking of the NBA, that over 70% of their players are bearing tattoos. And uh, I'm not here to preach against basketball, so you can relax. But I bring this up because so many professional athletes are the heroes of America's youth. And so what, what they condone bleeds down and trickles down into the mindset of the world at large. And as I've always said, that whatever's going on out there eventually makes its way here. And so we have to reassure and, and reaffirm some walls and establish some lines. And so they have a tremendous amount of influence on our youth. And again, it's not limited to the NBA and not limited to the NFL, but in all ranks. In a 2012 study currently 
shows that 21% of adults in America have at least one tattoo. And these figures are up slightly from 16% and 14% who reported having a tattoo when questioned in 2003 and again in 2008. And so you can see a pretty consistent increase. According to U.S. News and World Report, tattooing is the country's sixth fastest growing retail business. It's estimated that one new tattoo studio or shop opens every day in America. So this is not an issue that's going away. And so we must address it as the church. And I think that as adults, grandparents and parents and influencers alike, that we have to be able to have biblical reason and foundation of why, why we do what we do or why we abstain from what we abstain. I've often said that this is, um, I think, this, this next part is just my opinion, I think this is just a trend and a fad. Much like many other fads that have dominated many other periods of time. For instance, in the 60s and 70s, long hair on men was very prevalent. In the 80s, a mullet-style haircut on men who had enough hair to mullet-style your hair was popular among men. And the good part about all of that was found in the fact that once the fad was over, all you had to do was get a haircut. The sad part about where we are today is that there is significantly more at stake. And, and I, I don't have this in my notes, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't pause here to say several years ago, some of you may remember the missionaries, uh, Brother and Sister Marshall, that were here with us. And Sister Marshall was a, a Hindu, uh, was involved in, very deeply involved in Hinduism. And she spoke to this um, just a little bit in what she had to say that night in saying that in North America, as they were traveling in North America on deputation, she would often see people in various places of business or whatever that had tattoos that they had no idea the spiritual, the dark spiritual relevance. They just, they just picked something out of a catalog and said, that looks cool, I'll have one of those, without realizing that in her world there was a very dark and sinister spiritual agreement and so that, that, is, that, that is enough right there, in my opinion, to cause us alarm. And so when we talk about this, and, and again, I say there's significantly more at stake because you can't just turn this around. Sadly, even the world of Christendom, in the world of Christendom, the, the once forbidden tattoo is seemingly welcome. And so with the, probably some of that is due in part to the rise of many Christian artists that now are flaunting their tattoos and, and thousands of, of America's youth are getting tattooed for Christ. And there are Christian tattoo parlors that are propagating all of this. I seriously doubt that, that tattooing cross, and this is not to be misconstrued with just being cynical, but I, I, I want to be relevant and factual, but I seriously doubt that having some Christian symbol tattooed to your body is going to be any more effective at winning somebody than a bumper sticker. The good news is, is that when the bumper sticker fails, you can pull it off. A worst case scenario, you can trade the car in. 
But there's a whole lot at stake when we start buying into the to the idea that there's nothing really, this is no big deal. And so that places many, many tables, questions on the table, and at the center of that is the question, is this really wrong? The text that I read this evening I think is pretty clear. Leviticus 19 and 28, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you, for I am the Lord. That sounds pretty straightforward. Don't cut your body, don't print on your body. So this is the point where many people now stand and, and they declare, well, that's just the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is not relevant for us today. But I would suggest strongly tonight that we take a long, hard look at something before you discard it. Because you may be throwing away something today that seems irrelevant, but it may be very, very significant in your future. And so we can't just look at one scripture or one point and then draw or jump to any conclusions. I want to look at several biblical principles that are also set before us as well. In the biblical history, oftentimes, people would purposely cut themselves, and, and when they did, it was done for a reason. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 28, we find the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and many of you, since this is a predominantly adult audience, you understand and remember the story of Elijah with, on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. He said, we're going to pray and you call on your God and I'm going to call on my God and whoever answers by fire, let him be God. And the Bible says that the prophets of Baal began to jump up and down on the altar. They shouted out the name of Baal and when all of that didn't work, as we begin to read the progression of this scene playing out before us the scripture says that they even cut themselves with stones they slashed themselves until the blood flowed from their body and yet despite all of that Baal did not answer them any kind of of self laceration or any kind of body marking was prohibited among the Hebrew people and many times if not every time associated with pagan cults and had to do with the dead People who were caught up in idol worship or followed false gods or even some who were demon-possessed. If you remember the story of the demonic of Gadara, the Bible says that he was in a tomb and he cut himself with stones and cried out and things of that nature. They would cut themselves and so others would tattoo themselves or mark themselves or print themselves, as the scripture says, as an act of mourning for the dead. And so that's why God said in Leviticus 19.28, don't cut your body or don't mark your body. God didn't want his people to have anything to do with or any association with false gods or idol worship or witchcraft. God was basically saying you don't need to do what the world is doing. There needs to be a, dif a difference, a distinct difference between my people and those people. They didn't understand that their God was God and God for life and he was God enough. And more importantly, that, that man was made in the image of the true God. And so you don't have to get your attention, you don't have to get the attention of God by cutting yourself or by marking yourself. Our salvation is not based upon some barbaric method to prove to God that we want his attention. As a matter of fact, I don't think you even have to beg God for anything. He just said, ask. And so I, I don't think if we, or I do think then if we, all we have to do is ask God, we certainly don't have to, we don't have to resort to things of that nature. 
God knows who we are and he loves us and will answer us if we'll just simply call upon his name. David said again, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So the Lord knows me and he knows when I need him. And so, so some argue that they are do what they're doing is in, in their, that what they're doing is not in honor of the dead. They just want to be a part of popular culture. And so, with that frame of mind, let's forget about everything and just focus on the phrase that says, "Nor print any marks upon your body." That just seems like a standalone command. Nor print any marks upon your body. Some Bible scholars and commentaries believe that that phrase alone was intended to emphasize the proper reverence for God that was required for the children of Israel. Still again, some people would say, well, there, there we go again. That's the Old Testament, and it's not mentioned in the New Testament. But I, I don't really think that is something, that argument alone is something that we want to base the rest of our lives upon. I don't want to be offensive here, not at all, but I need to be very forward and, and, uh, and, and forthright because if we're going to say that just because something is in the Old Testament that it is not relevant for us today, then we have a very, very weak argument because the sick and perverted act of bestiality is only mentioned one time and it's only mentioned in the Old Testament. So I certainly don't think that we want to feel like that that would be okay because it's not mentioned in the New Testament. Is everybody with me? I saw a couple of oxygen masks drop from the ceiling. But that's all right. Because people are so quick to draw that sword and say, well, that doesn't apply to us. That doesn't apply to us. And so it just that certainly doesn't mean that because it's not mentioned in the New Testament that it's okay for us now. In addition to that, we surely can't overlook the very next scripture because verse 29 says, Do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. Do you know that's only mentioned in the Old Testament as well? But I certainly don't think that just because that's locked up in the Levitical law that that's okay for the New Testament church. So we can't pick and choose, so to speak. So... Uh, if you can't find it in the New Testament, that certainly doesn't make it okay. But, but because there are many moral laws that are only forbidden in the Old Testament and nowhere found in the New Testament. But again, there are principles. There are moral principles. And that's where I believe we, we need to fall in love with the principles that are in the Word of God. Because if we fall in love with the principles, it'll fill in a whole lot of blanks. Amen. Matthew Henry's commentary at the beginning of Leviticus chapter 19 explains that most of this chapter is moral, or are rather moral commandments. These are moral commandments that not only apply to Israel, but they also apply to the New Testament Christian today. And so I hope that, that we can make some sense of this. So let's just put the Old Testament to the side for just a moment. Do these Old Testament verses line up with any basic principles that are found in the New Testament. Let, let's just set, let's set the old book to the side and ask ourselves, are there any verses back here that line up in principle with the New Testament 
The answer to that is an obvious and resounding yes. There are many New Testament scriptures and, and, and concepts that we are to present our body unto the Lord. Amen. This teaching is found specifically in the book of 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. I want to systematically look at this passage and, and look at what Paul is teaching as it relates to the principle behind the subject that we are talking about this evening. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 13, Paul teaches us that the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body, that we are for one another. In verse number 19 of that same chapter, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. And so no more... Uh, not wanting to insult anybody's intelligence, but no more would we want to have the outside of this building demarked by graffiti and things of that nature because that would be, that would be very offensive to us. Wouldn't you agree to that? We'd want to do something about that immediately. Why? Because this is the house of God. And we would want to take care of that and would be very offended that someone would do something of that nature. And so we are now our body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so why then would we want to demarcate our body? Because this body is the temple. And so we have to be very careful with that. And so we, verse 19, and then the first part of verse 20 goes on to say that we're not our own, but we're bought with a price. And we know the price that was paid was the blood that was shed on Calvary for us. The latter portion of verse 20 says, therefore glorify, that means honor. He said, therefore honor God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, they both belong to God. Now, if you own something and you want to you paint it pink with black polka dots, that's your business because you own that. But I don't want you to show up at my house and paint my house that color. Because you don't own that. And so we have to realize that we are not our own. And this cuts against the grain of our societal thinking today that I'm going to live and let live and do my own thing and no one's going to tell me what to do. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And so we have to be very, very careful. I've often liked to read some passages of Scripture in the Message Bible and I know you're not... Totally unfamiliar with that. Something that's important to understand. Let me insert this. is The Message Bible is not another translation of the Scripture, but the Message Bible is just a paraphrased Bible, and the sole purpose of that is just to help make it more understandable. So we're not trying to add to or take away. I don't use that Bible to study from exclusively. I just use it as a study tool to help me go and find something that maybe if I'm a little bit confused, it makes more sense because it's in a more contemporary language and mindset. And so I want to read 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 from the Message Bible. The Bible says in verse number 19, didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. Let me read it again. The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in 
and through your body. So the key principle here is that our bodies belong to God and not to ourselves. And, and it, 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 it is also underlines that we are to use our bodies in ways that honor God and reflect God's glory. The scripture says that by this shall all men know your mind. Amen. Not because we've got a Bible tucked under our arm or a crucifix around our neck or a holding a sign, but by this shall all men know your mind. And that is the love that we have for one another. Amen, the love of God shed abroad in our lives that, that conveys and comes across to others. And so there, there are many reasons why a person should not tattoo their body and I, I'm not going to try to list them one by one, but there are some apparent things that I think that ought to be considered outside of the boundary of Scripture. For instance, there are undeniably certain health risks that are involved in the process. There's a lot of reported cases of diseases like AIDS and hepatitis B and C tetanus, syphilis, tuberculosis. An alarming research study published by Dr. Bob Haley and Dr. Paul Fisher at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School in Dallas under, under, uncovered that the innocent commercial tattoo may be the number one distributor of hepatitis C. Dr. Haley concludes, we found that commercially acquired tattoos accounted for more than twice as many hepatitis C infections as injection drug use. This means it may have been the largest single contributor to the nationwide epidemic of this form of hepatitis. I was kind of alarmed to, to come across this information, and I hope you don't just find a bunch of facts boring. But I read this today on the American Red Cross website that the American Red Cross prohibits donors from donating blood for 12 months after getting a tattoo from an unregulated tattoo parlor. Why? Because of their concerns of hepatitis and other medical things. We go on and on and on about things associated with that, and that's not my intention, but, but you, you also have to weigh in the social factor. Because of our involvement with jail and prison ministry, we obviously, a whole, obviously see a whole lot of tattoos. Brother Allen can probably attest to that. As a matter of fact, there's one young man that has participated in our classes and services for some time that uh, has tattoos just all over his face. And, uh, you know, I, I, that just seems really bizarre. Uh, maybe to... You that are sitting here, and it, and it is somewhat even still bizarre to me. I'm, I'm probably a little bit, we're probably a little bit more used to it than, than the average person sitting here, but he had tattoos above his eyes, tattoos below his eyes, and, and on and on. And you know what? Where he is, that is completely socially acceptable. They think nothing about it. We have to train ourselves, especially me and my eyebrows, we have to really train ourselves not to let your facial expressions change because they think nothing about this. In their world, it's a rite of passage and many, many other things. Many of them are gang-related and things of that nature. But it is socially acceptable right where he is. But I've often thought about, especially this one young man, I have no idea why he's there, how long his visit's going to last, but I've often thought about if and when he's ever released, what kind of job he's going to be able to obtain. Because you see, where he is now, he's pretty cool. 
But when you step outside of that gate into the real world, there is a broad brush that does not accept that socially. And so it's not just the church that takes an issue with this practice, but it's corporate America as well. Many places of employment will not even hire you if you have visible tattoos. Now, I realize that someone would continue to argue the point, and I want to go back to something that should be a very, very important question. And that, that question is, ought to be to us, not is it right or is it wrong, but is this wise? And I realize that I, I taught on this recently, but 1 Corinthians 10, 23 says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all, but all things edify not. The, my, the Message Bible again says of that same scripture, the point is not to just get by. We want to live well, but our foremost efforts should be to help others live well. Amen. And so we're, we're not just trying to see what we can get by with, but we're trying to also make sure that our life is not a stumbling block to other people. Amen. Something else that certainly should come into play is our motive behind doing what we do. In David's charge to his son Solomon, this is what we read in 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse number 9. David said, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou wilt seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. We know the scripture refers to this very word as being a discerner of the thought and the intent of our heart. And so David was saying to Solomon that you really have to be careful and understand that you have to serve God with a perfect heart and with a willing mind because the Lord searches the hearts and he understands the imaginations and the thoughts and so I can come here and lift up my hands and shed a few tears and just impress the socks off of everybody here. But if I'm only doing that to impress you, the Lord knows the thought and the intent of my heart. If I'm only doing that so you can say, man, I'm sure glad we got a worshiping pastor. Then what I have done has been absolutely nothing but vanity. And God has seen that and not accepted my praise and worship. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is my motive? Romans 12 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Once again from the Message Bible, don't become, I, I know Romans 12 and 2 is pretty easy to, and clear to read, but when I read it in the Message Bible, I just felt compelled to bring this scripture as well because of this very first line. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And I thought, wow, I just must read that publicly. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. 
readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. (laughs) And so I don't want to become so well-adjusted to the culture around me that I fit into it without even thinking. There, There should be something about someone filled with the Holy Ghost. Hear me now. There ought to be something about someone filled with the Holy Ghost that makes people without the Holy Ghost uncomfortable. Now, I'm not talking about holier than thou. Please don't, please set down your battle axe. Amen. But I'm just talking about the purity of the power and the presence of God. Amen. If sin is comfortable in the presence of the Holy Ghost, there's something wrong. And I'm going to turn that around and say, if Holy Ghost people are comfortable in the presence of sin, there is equally something wrong. Something ought to rise up in us and say, I've got to get out of here. I've got to do something about this. We live in a world that is filled with temptations. Amen. I, I, especially since I have felt a, a bent toward teaching on this, in the last several weeks, I have probably been even more aware looking around, and I, I will tell you that this is not something that's just limited to youth. But many people, even in well beyond youth, are trying to reach back and grab some youth. And they're reaching back in all the wrong places. Amen. And so we need to realize that God can help us have the strength to do what is right. And you can help God with this process by by being very careful of your environment. And so God can help us Amen. But we can help God. I can help God by being very, very careful of the environment I allow myself to be in. Because if you're hanging around people that have a bad influence on you, then you need to get in a crowd that has some positive peer pressure. Because peer pressure never goes away. That's not something that that just all of a sudden vaporizes because somebody handed you a diploma. Peer pressure will be at every juncture of our life. And so I need to make sure that I am in a crowd that is influencing me in the right way, in the positive way. Amen. Maybe sometimes this is an end result. People get a tattoo as an end result of some some act of rebellion. You know, if I just, I'm going to turn 18, I'll do whatever. I'll show mom and dad. <laughs> and that's probably where several of those are born. Maybe it's some authority, some rebellion against authority in your life. But let me just say this. You, you better examine your heart and your motives because the Bible says that the spirit of rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And so if that is your motive, what you get on the outside is only going to be an outward symbol of what's really in your heart. Maybe some people are wanting to have a tattoo because they want to appeal to some member of the opposite sex. And if that is the case, then let me please speak something into your life. If someone is only attracted to you, if you get a tattoo, you are fishing in the wrong pond. Absolutely and unequivocally fishing in the wrong pond. It's one thing to enhance our looks with modesty, but it's quite another thing to permanently mark 
your body, which is the temple of God. Over and over in the Bible, we're told to be careful the way we present ourselves. And so I want to be very careful. And I, again, am trying to arm us with some information so that we can adequately speak to people when they have questions. In closing, it's my prayer that that somehow I've given you something to think about, but I want to just leave you with one final thought. And, and that is this. If, if you just have something in your heart that feels like you need to be branded, then I want to give you a scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, 21, 22. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Let me read that again. He which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. So God has anointed us. And the Bible says that he has also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit, the earnest of the Spirit, earnest or the down payment of the Spirit is the infilling of the Holy Ghost on this side of the rapture in our hearts. The Message Bible says it this way, but his Spirit hath stamped us with an eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. And so if you really want a mark that you'll never be ashamed of, if you really want a mark that you'll never regret, let Jesus put his mark upon our lives. I don't think what I'm about to say is just exclusive to me or to my wife because I know many of you have experienced the same thing in your own way. But I cannot tell you how many times through the years without a suit and tie on somebody has asked me, are you a preacher? I don't think it's because I have the preacher voice I think it's because I had the preacher brand he's branded my heart my wife and I were stepping off the plane the other day and there had been a steward that had not necessarily served us he was in the other part of the plane am I correct but we saw him several times and when we were stepping off the plane, they were standing there greeting us, greeting everyone. And when we walked past, he said, are y'all apostolic? I said, yes, sir, we are. My wife said, do, do we know you? And he said, no. I was just curious. If you want to be branded, brand branded let the be the spirit of god brand our heart amen don't be ashamed to be different i'll promise you the world's not ashamed to be different i promise you
They're not ashamed. People do the most outlandish things and then dare you to look. Dare you to question. Amen. And somehow we've been painted in the corner sometimes timid and shy because of what we hold in our heart as close convictions. But I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will mark us. I'm going to close this service by doing something a little unorthodox. I've asked Brother Chris Osborne to come and just share something on his heart. And I pray that you'll just give him your attention just a moment. Praise the Lord. Brother Boyd called me earlier today and explained what he was going to be teaching on tonight and asked me to say a few words, not not to add to what he's already said, but to give you personal experience. Uh, many of you probably don't know, but I have several tattoos that, um, that I've gotten through the years uh, away from God. And I guess if I could say anything tonight would be that it it's not this is not a phenomenon that that touches just young people it's not something that the world is trying to push upon just young people but it it affects a lot of people and and more so probably because the root of it is 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 stamped out in individuality it's 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 a way for people to try to individualize themselves in, in a world that they feel maybe they've disappeared in. Um, you know, we could we could go through a whole list of reasons why people do it. Um, I could tell you a, a whole list of reasons why I did it. You know, rebellion is the root of that. It is absolutely the root of it because... Satan rebelled against God in heaven. He was cast out. And so the only thing that he can mess with is God's creation. And his most prized possession is mankind. And so he pushes that, that, that thought, that mentality on us that we have to do something to be individual because we're all the same or we're all, you know, in this, in this world that, you know, seemingly there's nothing else. It, it, the fact of the matter is there is something else. You know, and, and Brother Boyd mentioned that, you know, in, in, in the old days that people that had numerous tattoos that were visible, you would make two discernments. They were either in prison or they were in the military. And, and I think that that holds a lot of truth because those two facets of life is... Uh, put people in a box so to speak and so you know we try to 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 branch out from that and that would be one of the the ways of doing that would be to brand ourselves or mark ourselves to set us apart from you know what we view is trying to push us in but when in reality what we're doing is we're actually conforming we're actually we're actually fitting into the mold of what the world says is right and and beautiful or makes you tough or whatever that is you know and it's just it's something that 
may not seem relevant tonight. It, it doesn't seem like it fits into the realm of church tonight, but in reality it does because there's nothing that happens on the outside that doesn't stand the risk of, of, of affecting the inside. And, and we see that more prevalent today in not only society, but even Christian society. And it affects the young and the old, not just that. If I could leave anything with a young person tonight that may be struggling with with trying to individualize yourself, there's only one way to be to be different, and that's to love him and to let him, as Brother Boyd said, let him brand us and let him set us apart. I'm thankful for the, his mercy and his grace that has has covered me and has forgiven me for the things that I've done, but it's so much better not to have done it in the first place because it's irreversible. You know, the world will tell you that it's not. Oh, you could have it removed. But the cost of that, the cost of that, and not not just monetarily, but in in physical pain, is so much worse than the actual act itself. I understand that this doesn't seem like it fits tonight. It's not a shouting message. It's not something that we would even expect to hear at church. But we all have, the door could be opened on all of us to, to you know, d- Satan can do uh, marvelous things with thought. And and it can affect us in ways that we wouldn't even comprehend or understand. And the next thing that we're doing is something so far from where we were. I believe that's why he does what he does is to try to separate us from from God and from what he wants in our lives. And and so what it all boils down to is relationship. To stay close to him and everything that we do. Because it's not just it's not just that, but there's so many more things that could affect us as, as a as a person, as an individual, as a church. So we just have to stay guarded. You have to stay guarded against the things that, that are in this world, the things that are vying for our attention on a daily basis. There's not much more that could be said tonight that could could reiterate what's already been said, what's already been established, other than the fact that we as his people, we're called by his name, need to equip ourselves as best that we can, not only to guard ourselves against that, but uh, you never know where you're going to be tomorrow. You never know what you're going to be presented with tomorrow. I, I had a 40-year-old woman the other day ask me, I think I should get a tattoo. And first of all, I have no idea why she asked me that. <laughs> but from going back, if I could do it all over again, I would not do it. But the fact that I've been already been there, I was able to emphatically tell her no. No. You don't need to do that. 
because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It is enough. Can we stand together tonight? And can we just close this service tonight the way that we always do? Would you, would you just lift your hands? At, this may not be something that you feel is relevant to you tonight, but we don't know where we're going to be tomorrow. We're, we don't know where we're going to be next week, but if we could just ask the Lord to touch our minds and just touch us and anoint us for his service. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We're asking you, Lord, to touch our minds, God, to guard our minds, Lord, against the wiles of the world and the wiles of the devil, God. We're asking you in Jesus' name to touch us, anoint us, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.